Hi and welcome to Arrow's coverage of Infosec 2019. We are once again asking the hard questions of our vendors, finding out what their priorities are into 2020 and how they intend to help our channel to develop to address the ever-changing security landscape. We hope you enjoy this series, and if so, please subscribe. Hi and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth Live from Infosec 2019, day two, end of day two. And uh, we're all still kind of here, here, there or thereabouts. I'm pleased to say this is my last thing I'll be doing here, but I don't believe it is for either of our esteemed guests today. So first and foremost, I'd like to present our my esteemed co-host, who is a bandwidth veteran. You've been here before. Uh-huh. You you actually did bandwidth from a rickshaw once. Standard raving reporter. Yes, very much so. So, and also coordinating on microphone uh, colours. No accident. No accident. Nothing's an accident, for Alex Kennedy. <laughs> And then from, well, left to right, right to left, I've, I've lost the ability to actually do this. So we're going to start with Peter. Hello, Dave. Hello, Peter. <laughs> so for those of you who haven't seen or haven't listened to last year's and obviously this year's podcasts are still to be coming out. And if you haven't, why haven't you? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, Peter's from Encipher. And then to this side of me, which is my right... Uh, <laughs> We get there in the end. We get there in the end. Like an airline stewardess, so the exit doors are to the left and right. Yes, yes. But I'm lucky to have Mark from Checkpoint to my right. Good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, who you'll also recognise from last year's podcast, which I all know that you've listened to. So, so today's live stream is basically a bit of a panel debate um, about GDPR. Now, I'm going I'm to start with a little bit of uh, positioning on this one. Now, GDPR is one of these topics where last year at InfoSec, it was absolutely wall to wall to wall. Everyone had a GDPR part of their stand. Year before that, it was even worse. This year, I'm struggling to see the words anywhere, to be quite frank. That's number one. And number two is one year in one year looking back, so we've been in a year of GDPR now. What's changed? What's changed? So. Who would like to start us off with a bit of a bit of information? Anyone? Go on, Peter. Go on, Peter. Come on. Come on. Well, I think you could, on the surface, try and make a case that says nothing has changed. Uh, we're still seeing record numbers of breaches reported in the, in the media, and we haven't seen anybody hit with the kind of terrifying fines that we, 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 we heard were going to become the norm. But, but two things there. Um, first of all, the fines are going to take time. If we look at some of the biggest fines that were issued in the old world, things like Carphone Warehouse and Equifax, they were three, four years in the making uh, and investigating before the fines were levied. And I think we're going to see that same lag with, um, with, with GDPR. So maybe this time next year we'll be looking at the first, the first big fines landing. In terms of still seeing breaches in the news, well, I think organizations are just reporting more and more quickly. Um, yeah. Would British Airways ever have fessed up um, under the old rules? But but I think they felt compelled to. So I think organizations are reporting more and I think fines will be inevitable. We just haven't quite caught up yet. Yeah, I, as you, you start the conversation, it was everywhere last year. It was the big hive. People were sort of like, you know, having it across the banners. And I've seen very, very little of it at all. Um, I, I, Last year uh, at the, the, the stand, we were getting questions on GDPR. What a checkpoint going to be doing about it? How's it going to affect my security? Where's the data being stored? Uh, all steam ahead, as, uh, as any uh, uh, good vendor would do. We, we created a GDPR report. 
this year absolutely nothing nobody's particularly interested nobody actually came and said can you show me a gdpr report or how gdpr standards are, are actually being set down and laid down and so uh, it has just almost um, the, the the hype as you'd expect of anything new you know in terms of technology or reg legislation or governance was there and now it's sort of oh yeah that was last year now so yeah very quiet i mean do you think the businesses actually care do you think last year they talked about it and they ticked their box with their GDPR, do you think that the actual customers really cared that they had to do it? Do, is it important to them? I, I don't... Well, that's, that's interesting, because obviously compliance is compliance around the world, and organizations all realize they're all, they're all you know, mature enough to realize that, that they need to comply. So I think there's an element of doing what needed to be seen to be done. Um, but what I think is happening, which maybe hasn't fully fully caught up yet, but what I am seeing is a change in, in the consumer mentality. So as a result of us moving towards um, a GDPR world, everybody was contacted hundreds and hundreds of times. We have your data, um, can we keep it? Are we allowed to keep it? Because we now need to ask your permission. So that's prompted lots of debate um, you know, in the local pub and, uh, and at, the, at the coffee machine in terms of, yeah, I, I didn't realize that, that, that so much of my data was out there. So we're, we're definitely seeing evidence that consumers are, are using data security as a, as a buying decision point now and, and wanting to ask the question, if I open a bank account with you, are you going to guarantee me that my data is safe? And I think ultimately that's probably going to have more influence on the way organizations behave than the threat of fines um, because it would be commercial suicide to continue to have a reputation for being loose with data because customers will walk away. And I think that might be the unintended consequence um, that delivers the output that the GDPR people wanted in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think uh, Peter's absolutely right. From a consumer point of view, I think that's where it's really sort of like still a highlight. People are actually feeling more empowered to say, what's happening to my data? Am I going to click this box? Uh, who's going to use the data and for what purposes? From a business point of view, I think actually there's been quite a slow take up. I was reading um, a report uh, the other day with regards to how many businesses are actually uh, ready to go now with GDPR compliant. And it's something quite low, around 20% perhaps who said, yes, we are ready and we are GDPR compliant. And I think uh, there's there's at least something like, I think it was about 27% or nearly uh, over one in uh, four, 1.5 in four people who actually haven't even made a start on it yet, from what I understand. We, we may well see a, a, a GDPR 2.0, you know, uh, in another year's time. When, 100%. When the, when the first fines start to come through, the, the, the backlash of, uh, of consumer pressure starts to come through and organizations realize, okay, well, we did the minimum to comply, but this is now getting more serious, so let's go and take another look at it. So I think we might just be in a, in a lull, possibly. Well, I, so I have, a, I have a personal experience on this, and I've been saving this. I haven't brought it out on any of the podcasts. I've been saving this for the live stream. Um, what have you disclosed? Well, no, no. So more importantly, so I went through, I went through a, a court battle very recently, um, a divorce one. And by the end of it, I was so fed up to the back teeth of the particular legal firm that I was, um, my now ex-wife was using, I basically said, right, I want you to get rid of all my data. Because actually, I don't necessarily trust you with it. Um, but it's sort of netted out that that's not necessarily the case. And despite the fact that I would like to think I know more than the average Joe about this whole topic and how I can take advantage of it, they managed to find ways and means of going round and round in loops and saying this and pointing there. And, and I must admit, it was one of those situations where I felt like I thought this was fundamentally to protect me the data subject 
not so that you could I mean I don't I don't doubt for one second that they're not gonna go and sell it off to some third party I'm not gonna have marketing that comes back from it but it doesn't matter that for me I don't necessarily want that level of personal information being set saved somewhere that I don't necessarily have control over and that I don't have but I found it really disappointing that this is surely meant to be like a restart of privacy and a restart of consumer trust in organizations holding this really valuable information and I felt really let down if I'm honest um, so I contacted the ICO and uh, I'm still waiting to hear back from them which is so that's my real-world experience of GDPR and highly personal data so I found it very interesting yeah, that's an interesting story to, to, to provide us with, David. I mean, because I, I thought that was the fundamentally the underlying um, so did underpinning I. part of GDPR was that you are now in control of your own data. You can tell people to get rid of it, delete it, take it away. But, but apparently, no, there's... Uh, no, and, and actually, I couldn't find anything in the actual um, in the, the list of things from the ICO that meant that they could keep it, yet they procrastinated a little bit, came back with some answers, and, and it's, it's still going back and forth. So I'm still trying to get to the point where I can actually have it deleted. But I'd be interested to understand the, the reality of how other people are finding GDPR out of the implementation of and, and how easy it is to use. Because the honest truth is, um, I also, so I've done a few tests. So I went on LinkedIn, I don't know if you know this, but if you go on LinkedIn, they have a GDPR strategy. Um, and essentially you can go in there and request and download your entire contact lists, everyone who's ever looked at you, all the personal information that LinkedIn hold on you. And what I, what I found though from this list was I almost felt like it was a breach of other people's privacy because it's got all their information on this list and I'm like, Where's the happy medium? Where where is the level set in GDPR? But LinkedIn do do uh, pride themselves on their level of GDPR compliance, and they're using that as a sales uh, as a sales tool. Yeah, um, quite possibly. Yeah, now they are. They're saying yeah, you can you can use us as a as a, a marketing tool and a sales tool because we're GDPR compliant. But but also it, it is um it's it's seeping into people's lives in different ways. Uh, I mean my my wife does some. Uh, Admin for the local parish councils has to send out emails saying the allotment rents are due and uh, and the hedge is being uh, cut along the side of the footpath this weekend and uh, she's had to go on a on a training course to make sure that her parish council emails are GDPR compliant and she can't include you know she's got to anonymize everything and can't disclose other recipients' email addresses and she's been warned that that would be a breach and she could face prosecution and 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 so. I sometimes think you know we're focusing on the wrong end of the problem here because I don't I don't think that was why this was launched. Yeah. I think it was launched to, to bring some of the the big corporate guys into into line, not to frighten uh, uh, you know a parish clerk in a small village. But anyway, so do we think it's realistic that we're actually asking those kind of groups, which are community groups, mm -hmm. and the kind of point of community is is sharing and yes. togetherness, yeah. that then we're trying to bring these groups together, but we're actually saying, oh, but you can't talk about each other or share any information about each other, is it realistic to actually expect it to apply to things which aren't large corporate businesses? Yeah, it's unfortunate that, that as a result, uh, as Peter was saying there, that the, 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 the small organisations, the communities, are actually maybe being targeted 
the most uh, and uh, being focused and making you know their job harder in a way to actually sort of like just get a, a community newsletter out or the local karate club is trying to sort of like you know uh, advertise about um, it's uh, what nights it's training on and the data it collects on its students in order to say you know these events are going on and I think it's actually a real shame if that's the case that people who are the easy picking targets you know the ones who are easily scared are the ones suffering with it rather than the businesses who should be the ones to bring them back into line to make sure they're being responsible with the data are actually appearing quite you know I say fair about it not actually uh, uh, doing anything or leaving it or putting it off and we're all waiting to see these big fines for GDPR 2.0 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things I found um, very disappointing is the level of pressure that's been placed on schools and public organizations that already have huge deficits in their budgets for technology for privacy and you've got parents who have been riled up by all the media and the news about GDPR going, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? Well, go and ask that of your bank. Go and ask that of you know, the people who, who should be worried about GDPR because I guarantee that they're not actually doing it. So I want to bring it on to another sort of element of this, which is the problem is that I think a lot of people still find the GDPR, that, that massive document of... of various bits of stuff is, is incredibly... Pardon? Did you read it? No, I did not read it. I, I, I don't think anyone... Well, <laughs> I'm sure someone's, someone's read it with much more time on their hands than I've got. Um, but it's, it's huge. It's cumbersome. It's also incredibly ambiguous. Um, I don't think in there there's necessarily a checklist. Yes, no. This is how... If you haven't done this, you aren't compliant. If you haven't done this, you aren't compliant. So... Is there a feeling in, in the group that actually GDPR is not being implemented, not because people don't want to, not because people and organisations don't respect people's privacy, but because it is just so goddamn complicated and hard to do at the moment? And actually the implementation of GDPR is more expensive than the risk or the litigation costs to fight it in court. And then the flip, flip side of this, which is, God forbid anyone any one of these ever did go to court could a good quality data lawyer just turn around and argue it out of existence because they're arguing against something that could perceivably be very ambiguous in its very nature I think without a without a couple of test cases it'd be hard to uh, yeah to very true. but I, but I think the uh, you know the old the old rules were equally um, yeah, e e e equally um, so the old da the Data Protection Act yeah, of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and as I say you know prosecutions under that took years and were complicated and involved multiple court cases but ultimately if, if the underlying behaviour was against the spirit of the law then then there was usually a, usually a fine and I, I I sort of assume that that's where this will go um, you know what was your intention did you take reasonable steps have you been careless have you done anything that's particularly obviously stupid. Um, so, so uh, I, I still think that we just haven't reached the reached the point where the legal system's caught up. No, I'd probably agree, sadly. Um, so, that's the problem definition. But as a group of technologists and some of the biggest companies in the world, how are we going to fix it? What are the what are the proactive steps that we can all do? I mean, because at the end of the day, right, our partners are watching this, and I want to be able to leave them without this sinking feeling of woe that I currently have. Um, that we are in a black hole of GDPR. What is, what are some of the steps that 
you know, what did your GDPR report say that were, you know, immediate opportunities that our partners could go and help these these end customers who are feeling quite overwhelmed by the prospect of GDPR? And so, what are some of the technologies that you know we have in in the portfolio of you know Ensipher, for example, that that can actually be quick wins? That because at the end of the day. The purpose of GDPR is fundamentally a good one, right? It's to improve the privacy of people's data. And it's to improve the overall well-being of our trust and, and sort of confidence in this, this thing that might one day take off called the internet. Um, so what have, we, what have we got? Well, I think it's a good idea to make sure that if anybody does steal your data, they can't make any sense of it. And the best thing you can do there is encrypt, is encrypt your, your valuable data. And rather than spend ages working out what do I need to encrypt and what do I not need to encrypt, just encrypt everything. And that's, uh, that's the, uh, the simplest uh, that's the simplest solution. We'll make you GDPR compliant, make your customers happy, make you sleep easy at night. I think that's a good start. Yeah, couldn't agree more. But what about accessing the data? How do we make sure that, because I think one of the, one of the big things is that we don't want to limit um, people's ability to access the data, people's ability to take advantage of information and services. So how are we actually, how can we better control access? We can encrypt, but how do we then actually control the access to that data to make sure that we're still allowing a level of, you know, flexibility and access from, from different places and what kind of solutions have Checkpoint got in place to really help access and, and sort of that gateway piece into the data and the services? Sure, so uh, I suppose um, uh, completely encryption is the way forward, but if you are storing data at, uh, wherever it is, and, and, and I'm going to bring, sorry about this, but the cloud into it, where you know cloud environments are, are out there, and uh, the information it could, could be anywhere. We don't know where that is. It's somebody else's infrastructure, somebody else's storage. Uh, and and if, if you're not encrypting the data and you're, you're leaving it out there on uh, in storage buckets and databases and whatever else, but you haven't configured it correctly, in order that that is a protected resource out there, and, and we're talking about you know things that don't go traffic that doesn't pass through security gateways. We're talking about putting um, uh, objects and um, uh, uh, elements of networking out there, which can be spread very quickly across the globe in multiple regions, and your data to follow it. You need something to look at that to actually run a continuous compliance against it at all times. So, what's happening with the data? What's happening with the security groups or network security groups replying to it? Making sure that things are being at the speed of DevOps delivered safely and securely by shifting the security to the left, bringing yeah. it into the DevOps cycle to making sure that you're not deploying data willy-nilly on unprotected um, elements of your network. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think baking the security thinking from the ground up into everything you do is critical. I think making sure that data privacy is at the heart of everything you do, I think we can do it. And I think also a, a lot of the questions that I sometimes get asked by partners who are talking to their customers is, so if I buy this, am I compliant? <laughs> And I, I think really educating customers because you know we're supposed to be their trusted advisors. We're supposed to be the guys that know what's going on. And, and even between us, we all get confused about what yeah. we, they should actually be doing and what does tick that box. So I think actually just being able to explain to them that it's not, you can't buy something, turn it on, and you're magically compliant. Mm. It is an ongoing process. And unfortunately, this is going to be going on for a long time. You're always going to be doing it. But in some ways, that's, that's part of the bigger challenge we have as an industry. Uh, because we've been selling for years based on fear, um, and, it, and it turns it turns security technology into something akin to life insurance or car insurance. You have to have this, 
because if you're breaking the law if you don't um, so come along and, and buy it which doesn't put people in a very good frame of mind to come and have a buying conversation it doesn't make no. them feel happy it's not like buying shoes or a, a stereo system or a new car it's like oh I've got to, I've got to spend money on this because or else I'll get into trouble and if we could flip it a bit more and create a world where um, people businesses realize that uh, being strong in security made for happy customers which grew profits and then we started to make uh, actually buy security and you'll become a market leader have the best security and you'll attract new customers uh, encrypt your customers data and you'll see your profits grow by 20% probably be quite more more fun for us all wouldn't it well <laughs> it, this is the thing I think one of the best ways and, and I, I can't for the life remember what the, the person I was talking to when, when we had this conversation they were saying GDPR can actually be an enabler it can be a business accelerator because essentially yes. you can use it as a proactive marketing tool. You could use it as a way of, you know, fundamentally convincing your customers that you are the right people to be going with and, you know, you, you respect their privacy. And, and, you know, actually one of the single best pieces of uh, marketing I've had through my inbox in the last, well, last time before we were, before GDPR came into an action was actually a partner that literally sent through an email to the entire distribution base and said, um, so we're going to be deleting you off because we take GDPR that seriously and we understand it and we're working you know, towards making ourselves successfully uh, you know, protected and compliant. And by the way, if you want our help, give us a shout. And I was mm. like, so basically, you're telling me you're going to delete me because you want to be GDPR compliant because you're going through the pain yourselves and if I want some help, I can get it from you. Yeah, funny enough, I think I know who I'm going to pick the phone up to. It's really, really clever. That's nice, that's nice. Yeah, but it was so simple. But if we go, if we go back a few years um, to when we first started to get concerned collectively about the environment and organisation, we took the same approach, which was uh, regulations and fines. Yeah, and if you, don't, if you don't reduce your emissions, if you don't uh, stop polluting, you'll get fined. And organisations were grumpy about it. They saw it as a tax, and people did the minimum to comply. Yep. And then we saw a few smart organizations that put themselves out there as, um, as, as, as green beacons, you know, as environmentally friendly. And look where that's gone now. It's completely flipped that it's, yep. co it's cool to be green and businesses who, who have strong environmental credentials. Um, so I wonder if we're on that kind of journey. Uh, and in a few years' time, we might look back and, uh, and think the evolution of security is quite similar to the evolution of environmental stuff. That was one of my uh, you know, later evenings, dreaming that one up. <laughs> I like it. I, I think you actually make a very good point there because, you know, being green, I must admit, so if I look at myself, we are... We take a great pride in the fact that we never fill the black bin up. You know, our, our wheelie bin is only ever sort of maximum three quarters full because we recycle and our recycling bins are overflowing. Um, and actually, that, that, that gives me a great feeling of pride to do that myself. And I've completely self-motivated to get on with that. Um, my children, all four of them, are massively motivated by being green. Um, you know, my daughter the other day, we were in the park and... and she went up to someone, quite embarrassingly, I mean, she's only five, but she went up to someone and told them off for putting some plastic in the bin. And I was like, Eddie, we're not... Oh, well done, well done. And I was like, <laughs> you can't knock it, but it's being baked into them. So actually, maybe you're right. Maybe privacy will be the next the next big thing. Yes, why have you been excluded from school? Because I punched the, I punched a boy in the playground. Why did <laughs> you punch him? Because he dropped a sweet wrapper and he wouldn't pick oh, it up, Daddy. Honestly, honestly, don't say that. She really would. She really would. But, um, well, that's a very positive way to look at it. But then is that maybe the way? So, you know, we've all got, I'm armed, hang on, like, 
the plastic bottle. Everybody now has these these plastic bottles. So we all said we should reduce plastic. David Attenborough, maybe we should get David Attenborough to talk about data protection and then everyone would do it. But you know, he, like he made a program about plastic in the seas and then everybody started making small changes. Mm -hmm. Rather than bringing in a sweeping legislation that says, right, on this date, everything changes. It's small changes. It's the fact that everybody, whether they are, you know, an eco-warrior tree hugger, a lot of people are now switching to more permanent plastic bottles. They're switching to reusable coffee cups. You don't get plastic straws in pubs and fast food outlets. Is that actually a way that we could guide our partners and customers just step by step, slowly, slowly in the right direction? True. I mean, this is now stooping into shameless self-promotion, but if you pop down to uh, stand 105, you can pick up a stainless steel water bottle, uh, which will Might take you up on for it. you, and you can keep that for years. <laughs> but, uh, so so I think this is a really, really positive way to sort of wrap up the live stream and, and sort of end our coverage from, uh, from InfoSec 2019. But I think actually we've, we've kind of found the answer. Uh, I don't think... Have we? Uh, well, <laughs> yes. I'm going to try and sum up. I'm going to try and sum up. Right, I'm really interested. Okay, okay. So, right now I feel the pressure. Um, so I think we started off this conversation saying that in one year in, a re in, one year in review, we've not we don't really feel like the impact because I think the, the problem was GDPR was sold as this big bang fix it all overnight your privacy will be sorted and if it's not I'll tell you what you can go and find them for 4% of all their revenue the fear yeah, yeah which was a fear which yeah. was a huge risk but actually a year later and funny enough nothing's really come of it um, we all feel a little bit let down and a little bit disheartened by the fact that nothing's come of it but actually to Peter's point you know I think over time we will see little by little that people become, and I certainly think if there's one thing that has fundamentally changed in one year, it's the value that people place, that the consumer places on their data. Yeah. Very true. I think people are infinitely more aware of their own privacy. They're infinitely, infinitely more aware of the value that their data holds. Mm -hmm. And I think all we've got to look at is things like the public shaming of Facebook around their quite frankly terrible handling of our our private data I'm not on Facebook sorry Mark but you know um, but you know I think this is something that we need to that we need to take seriously and I think it's starting to get there I think organizations have got a long way to go um, you know who you are I want my data back um, <laughs> and does. yeah he does <laughs> <laughs> and on that, unless anyone's got any final final fleeting comments Actually, I, was, uh, I, was, uh, I thought it was a very good discussion that we had and uh, ended on a very positive note with regards to where we all are. It's fantastic. Good. Yeah. good, good and good I we'll look. Uh, look forward to seeing a TV commercial <laughs> for a supermarket or a bank that, doesn't, you know, that just says, shop with us, bank with us, and we guarantee to protect your data. And that's their USP. Imagine that. I like it. I like it. And on that note, thank you ever so much for watching and enjoy all of our podcast coverage from InfoSec. Look back at the other videos that we've got online, whether you're watching this live or in repeat. Thank you very much, and we shall see you next year. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Please come back again next week for the next instalment of our exciting coverage from InfoSec 2019. See you then.